Without Jesus, where would we be? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this is Father's Day, apparently, and uh, I didn't know it was going to be Father's Day. I just did it as a matter of uh, duty, and I think uh, I wanted to wait until Brother Tom and everyone was home. So uh, here we are. Praise the Lord. Glad everyone is here. And uh, we want to make an announcement for our brother Nathan Weimer. And uh, they were ready, but I wasn't ready on Wednesday. You know, you're always ready when you're going to get married. But not everyone else is ready. So on on Sunday, June the 12th, which was this last week, uh, I met with Brother Nathan and uh, Sister Charity McGeary. And uh, they were engaged last Tuesday, or was it Monday? Monday. <laughs> See, I was testing you all whether you knew it, when it happened. <laughs> Uh, Sister Charity is the daughter of Brother Dennis McGeary, uh, and Sister Dennis, Brother Dennis and Sister Dennis McGeary of Flagstaff, Arizona. I spoke with the couple Wednesday, June the 12th, but was unable to, unable to make the announcement at that time. And so I think we have a, a scene up here. That's too beautiful for Arizona. (laughs) It's too green for Arizona, isn't it? Anyhow, I think uh, they will be looking forward to a wedding date towards uh, mid-July next month. And if possible, if it works out, uh, we'd like to be there. I will say more about uh, the church and our calling and responsibilities as we go along. I have also, I received uh, an email, and I receive them quite frequently. Actually, this is a, a testimony, and I'm not going to read it all because uh, of the time constraint. But it's from a a brother, and he didn't tell me who he was other than his name. And he he apparently knows uh, Colin, uh, Sister Natasha Hoyer's brother. Uh, He knows him. And it turned out that this brother is the son-in-law of a pastor in North Carolina. And uh, there are just a few lines of his testimony, which I will... He said that I was hit with multiple cirrhosis, uh, which I was in a wheelchair for several years. They had me on shots and lots of medication each and every day. Well, he said the years went by. I never got any calls from the preachers I knew and fellowshiped with. No encouragement or comfort from anyone. You know, God will do that. 
It lets people get down uh, alone. And no one ever even called me to pray for me. Uh, he said, the devil said, see, nobody cares for you. Didn't the devil say that once before? He said that quite a few times, I think. Probably said it to you. Uh, no one called or prayed for me. No one cares for you. Nobody loves you. Why don't you just kill yourself? If you've ever heard that, you know where it comes from. All right. Uh, he said, why, why don't you just quit? Well, I got depressed. That's a good way to get depressed. We are poor and no help from anywhere. I didn't understand all this that's happening to me. My wife having to do everything I should be doing, I wanted to end it all, but I couldn't. But at that desperate moment, I wanted to end my life. Something happened. Something came over me, and I tried to stand up. When I did, I got up. From that moment till now, it's been two or three years, and I've been made whole, and I can walk. I walk five miles. I can walk five miles. Praise Almighty God. Amen. That's something. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God can come to a person at a very desperate time. He said, my wife's testimony, uh, she was a nurse. And then he said, I received a call one evening. It was my wife calling me. She is a nurse. Well, I said hello, and all I could hear was, ugh, ah, ah. That's all he could hear on the phone. He said, I asked, what's the matter? And uh, there was no response, just uh, uh, uh. And it's all she could say. So my daughter lived near where she worked. So I told her to go and find uh, find out what is, hap- what is happening. Is something wrong? Well, my daughter got me on the phone. My wife was in a room there and couldn't get out. And she couldn't remember anything. Still uh, not sure, but knowing something was wrong, my wife miraculously drove home with my daughter in the car, and she was, she was actually having a stroke, having a series of strokes. And uh, he said, my wife miraculously drove home with my daughter in the car, At first I thought, well, everything must not be so bad. But when she came in, she didn't know me or anyone, and she could not speak at all. So I called 9-11, emergency service. They arrived here, found out she had had a stroke, so they rushed her to the hospital to the stroke specialist. I arrived soon after where they found out that her main artery in her neck had tore open and she had several strokes, 
had a blood clot on her brain and uh, on the thinking side. That's pretty hopeless, isn't it? He says, they asked me, uh, what did I want to do? Well, to give her blood uh, clot, uh, to give her blood clot buster uh, medicine or surgery. And he didn't know what to do. He said, uh, it had to be within no more than two hours from the time of the stroke. And uh, I couldn't determine the time because no one had been with her at the time. And so they knew that uh, nothing, anything was wrong. They didn't know anything was wrong because she was in a room by herself and couldn't get out. She was still having strokes and went completely out. I found out that uh, I found out she had been struck there at work all and and all and all time you have to excuse me because he's kind of broken up in his language and all time combined she was four to five hours before she got uh, to the Moses Cone Hospital they said after a few hours thousands of brain cells die she could not have any thinking after that they said she had 1% chance to live. 1% chance. I think that's what God likes is 1%. She would be brain damaged. Well, I was in shock. I had planned to never go back home. How was I to live without her? My parents had done gone. He says, I met, and the reason he's writing is he was here in the log church, and I do not remember him at all. So he's just writing, he felt to write us and give us this testimony. And he said that uh, I was homeless as a young boy. He was homeless and almost starved to death. He said he was less than 120 pounds. Uh, he said he, he, he wanted to know if there was some place he could find a real, true, where he could feel being loved by someone. That's something for a man to be uh, a full-grown man and wonder if there's any place or anybody that can actually care for him and love a person. And uh, and now here was his wife uh, with 1% chance to live. They'd been married 42 years. He was in the log church in Cloverdale in 19, pre-1977. So I, can, I cannot put a face to his name. And I don't want to give his name over the Internet thinking that when no one would give me the time of the day, well, I was homeless, half-starved, to death, 120 pounds. I went to the church as the songs were sung, and I felt something different. 
I looked at the signs on the wall that read, when love projects, grace takes over. And that's what he saw on the wall of this church. And, uh, and something was burning in my heart. I began to cry. I looked around, and as the message was being preached, I heard the name Brother William Brant, Marion Branham. Something jumped in my heart as the service continued. I, and then he, he saw this girl, and that became his wife. First, he said he had never dated in his life. He'd been on the streets, and he married this girl, and had been married at 42 years when he wrote this letter. Last night, I got it. I would like to say to you, because he ends, he ends this testimony. He said, so here she came back to recovery. Within a couple of hours, she was laying there, had her cell phone in her hand. That's a woman. She'd have a cell phone in her hand. As she knew me, she was in her right mind. Didn't we hear that in the scripture? She was in her right mind. And now just a few months ago, dying, no hope, lost everything, our home, to buy her life, everything, at risk. God restored her to me. I thank I thank him so much. Words cannot find to express uh, to God for his promise. We, we lost our home, but we got what money could not buy. She is normal again and released to work. Isn't that incredible? A man was in a wheelchair. And he thought, just I'll stand up. And he stands up. And by the time he wrote this, he's walking five miles a day. I say, praise be to God. Anybody that thinks God is not supernatural, God is supernatural. Does he need people? Do you have to be up and be even prayed for? No, you have to just believe the word. And nobody was there to help him stand up. said, stand up. So he stood up, and then he tried to walk, and he could walk. And then he calls his wife, and she's in the midst of having strokes and can't even talk to him. And when he gets to the room, she doesn't know him and can't remember anything, and the brain is destroyed. Think of it. God recreated these things. I say, this is the God we serve. This is the God I believe in. And he said at the end, he said, that brother Colin, that is Sister Natasha's brother, is going to have a benefit service to help us with hospital bills and all that goes with it. I thank God, Brother Ed, I love him with all my heart and mind and soul. Love you and your church. And I thought that I needed to read that. 
Here's a man you can't even remember. And this is what he's just gone through. This has just happened. And I love you with all my heart and soul. It's a, God supernatural has to do something. And he says, and uh, thank God, Brother Ed, I love him with all my heart and mind and soul. I love you and your church people. We stream some and enjoy so much. Brother Ed, I want to, I want you to forgive me. I'm sorry I didn't realize when I was there how precious it was. God gave me a gift to come there. I was lonely and discouraged, nervous, uh, afraid, but your words and the love was uh, has stuck with me all these years. You might be sitting here today, and you'll find that God's going to strike your soul, and you'll never get away from it. You can try to get away from it, and you can move geographically across the nation, but if it's God that does it, then you can never get away from it. You'll always remember the atmosphere, because we don't create the atmosphere. It's Him. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful. And all these years, now I'm 62 now. And you said simply preach the message. God will do the rest. And and he has. <laughs> and my, my message to you is the same today as it was 62, or when he was 62. He said he's 62 now. So all these years ago, it's the same thing. Stay with the message. That's what we've been hearing. Just preach and testify the message, and God will do the rest. Did he do the rest? He stood up. Did he do the rest? He walked. His wife has a brain destroyed and her memory gone and 1% chance to live, and she's back to nursing. I say praise be to God. Thank you for your love and kindness. You showed me. God bless. I had, I have to leave out quite a bit detail, but I wanted you to know. Amen. Amen. So now, now you know. <laughs> Amen. It pays to get to be 50, Brother Matthew. Brother Matthew Riddell turned 50 years old. Amen. So I said that just gliding on in now. You aren't 50 yet. You've got a little bit of climbing to do. You'll climb a little bit higher. Well, you came not just to hear me, but to we'll read some scripture as well. Amen. Is that all right? Would you like to stand? Thank you, Brother Ryan. And we'll have you... Uh, we'll dismiss the musicians in just a few moments. But I'd like to read in the scripture... And if you wish to turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. 1 John chapter 2. Let's have prayer. 
Heavenly Father, you are our Father. And we want to say as a congregation, everyone's heart being knit together in one voice now, I say in prayer, thy will be done. Touch every heart that you would touch, O God. Let them know that you are present. Let your presence be felt. Let your power be manifest. Lord, uh, the one that's bound, set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you cannot hold God's people. You cannot hold them. We declare deliverance from them in the name of Jesus Christ. With no effort on our part. It's all his part. You're the one that healed our brother Vince, oh God. You're the one that caused him to walk. We thank you for the strength you gave to his legs. We thank you for what you have done for his wife. We want to give you praise. You're worthy of all glory. Your prophet has said, a doctor may cut out the bad part, but God will do the healing. And sometimes, oh God, there's a supernatural miracle on your part. And no doctor is needed. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you, oh God. We thank you for all that you have given us and contributed to your people. And now here we are, and on this Father's Day, we ask your blessing upon every father. And you are a father. You know about caring for the people. You know about the spiritual leadership in the home. And we pray, oh God, that our homes will be according to your word. Lord Jesus, let our parents be according to your word. Let our young men and young ladies be according to your word. May our children, oh God, be according to your word. And our school teachers and Sunday school teachers at All that have a responsibility, let it be according to your word. We have trustees, Father. We pray your blessing upon each trustee, upon our deacons, O God, each one of them, upon our ministers, O God. Anoint them mightily with the Holy Ghost. And when they open their mouth, Father, may it be just nothing short of sheep food, Food for the sheep, O God. We pray that you will give them utterance of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Help us this morning, we pray. And this day we ask that your grace will be upon our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll read now First John 2. I write unto you, little children, the little children... Are you here? I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Aren't those wonderful words? Can you buy that down at the drugstore? Never. You can never hear that. You can you could go in and say, I'd like to buy a, a pound of my sins are forgiven. They would look at you stunned because they don't know what to do with that. But here we just read it. I want you to really appreciate it. And incidentally, 
as we go through the message today, you may want a little booklet to put down. And I would like you to put down the scriptures that we read, and the questions that you might have, and the various scriptures and various places and the various quotes. You may want it. You can just raise your hand when you see a deacon go by, and we have these little books so you can just write the scriptures down or write your thoughts down, and you will need it. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, this was Father's Day, so I thought it would be good. I write unto you, fathers, John says, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I write, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Amen. You may be seated. Is that Tyler beside you, Brother Mark? Tyler, would you stand up for a second? Tyler's 18 years old, or going to be. You're going to be in a day or two? Tyler and his, and his sister went to Africa and were with uh, Brother, who was here? Jim Jones. Jim, no, not, not Jim. Brian Jones, Brother Brian Jones. How many remember Brother Brian Jones when we had him here? See, Tyler, you're around friends. Tyler and his sister, they made their own way, paid for their fare, went and gave a couple weeks of their time at Brother Brian Jones. He's a man that you have never met a man like this before. His pastor was Brother Retief, Senior Brother Retief. And Brother Retief told me that he got after Brian because Brian wouldn't carry a gun. And he said, Brian, somebody's going to get hurt and you don't have a gun. So Brian had a, a gun mixed up with all the mud and the dirt and the sand and the gravel in the back of his pickup but he didn't pay much attention to it. And uh, a a woman came from the Natal. Now, you've never heard this, Tyler, and your sister, so I want you to be able to hear this. And uh, so Brian told me this himself. And so they heard such spectacular things. He was just a man of the jungle. And... uh, so this news reporter said, well, she couldn't believe it. So she came out to the ranch, to the farm. And he, he never had his own ranch. The ranch you were at was owned by a doctor, I think. 
Wasn't he looking after injured animals? Yes. And so that's what he was doing. And when you gave your time there, and uh, this news reporter was there, and uh, so he, he took her on a walk on a trail, but it was late at night, and it was dark. And, and they came around a bend, and there was a big female lion, and she had just had finished a kill. And, uh, and she just turned and wheeled around, and Brian said to her without moving, he said, don't move or you're dead. And so he just stood still, and she, and she come on a charge, this lion, mother lion, and then about three feet, because he didn't move about three feet before she got to him, she just skidded to a stop and reached out her, her nose so she could smell him. And she, she did a smell and then she wheeled around and went back to her kill. And, uh, then he said to the reporter, now we, we got to get out of here because the next time she doesn't stop. <laughs> you can sit down. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. God bless you on your graduation. If you ever get a chance to go back, that can get a hold of you. But he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a strange man, Brian Jones. And he'll probably hear this as well. But, uh, but when we were there, and my wife is there. My wife, she's not, you know, she come from the north, but she's not been around all this kind of thing. And, and then they take the, they take the pickup and drag the live meat through the bush to attract the animals and then bring it right out close to you and, and put a sleeping bag so you can sleep there all night while the lions come in and feed. Thank you very much. Just as long as they're not feeding on the sleeping bags <laughs> and the people that are in them. But anyway, that's Brian Jones. God's got all kinds of folks, hasn't he? I think that some are way over there and some are here. I want to, uh, I just want to talk to you and speak to you this morning about some things that I have been thinking about that uh, very much affect us today. And one of the things is this, that while we are members of the human community because we had a natural birth, but we are here in this building, and I may not be speaking to everyone, but I trust I am, we are here in this sanctuary because we have been born again. And because we have, because you have been born again, you are part of another community, which is eternal community. And so you are here in a dual, a dual purpose. You are here and you're doing natural things, but you may not even be aware of it, you're doing supernatural things. You're doing things that pertain to another kingdom. They're not related to this kingdom. And although Satan is got the, he is the prince of the power of the air, and he's got control of things. 
and maybe bring in laws or bring in restrictions and bring in things or bring in uh, glossy things to attract your attention and get you all taken up with the world and the cares of the world. And he's a, he's a slicker. The prophet says he's a slicker. And so while we have to work, that's in this kingdom. We need to keep these two kingdoms. And this will mean something to your brother Matthew. We have to keep these two kingdoms always in our mind because we cannot allow the kingdom of this world to eat up. Yes, you might be gifted. You may have a certain intelligence and you'll want to take and or you may excel in sports. You may excel in some kind of beauty and so on and so forth. And we had a, we had, my wife and I had a daughter, Joanne, who's at the organ, and she excelled in sports. She excelled, she didn't know it. Uh, she came to a school here. We just, my wife went there because the girls were, you know, it was kind of a girls club, et cetera, et cetera. And she went there. She didn't know that the man that was directing the young ladies was actually the teacher of the, uh, the gymnastic team, which went to the World Olympics and won the gold medal. And that was already passed. And he saw the, you know, he just observed two of the young ladies and one of them was in training with him and he put his eyes on our daughter who was 10 years old and said, well, uh, uh, who is this little girl? My wife said, well, it's our daughter. Well, right away, it's another kingdom that starts to uh, utilize or see or, uh, you know, they'll get some celebrity and, and, and uh, they're gifted maybe in, in uh, drama or whatever more. And you have to be very, very careful because that starts reaching into another kingdom. It doesn't matter how much you excel in that. Use it for the kingdom of God. Don't waste your time on the things of this world. Don't waste your beauty on the things of this world. Don't waste your skills or your abilities on the kingdom of this world. If whatever you gain of this world, say, how can I use that to further the kingdom of God? And that's the only way to do it. I should have amen throughout this whole congregation. That's what definitely you want to do. Use your abilities. Use whatever God gives you. God, your Father, gave it to you. It's Father's Day. This is our Father gave it to us. And then, so, now I'm going to try to stay with the Scripture. Now, the fact that we have two... uh we are a dual person. The Bible says this, while we look. Now I'm going to be reading in a few moments. You have five senses of this body, this outer body. You have five senses. Every person has five. To feel, to smell, to taste, to see, and to hear. And the prophet says, they do not declare God. They only are here so you can touch and contact this world. 
that he allowed us to be born in. That's by our natural birth. It says, uh, while we look, now we have sight, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You say, well, how do I see the things that are not seen? You sense them. You have a sixth, a sixth sense. And uh, it says, but as the things that, uh, w- which are seen, but at the things which are, are not seen, for the things which are not seen are, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So here you are, you're here on a Sunday morning, I'm going to announce to you, you have the ability to contact and to interact with the things which are seen, but they are temporal. You work at something, you build something, but it's temporal. God gives you a house to live in, it's temporal. It's passing. And when you're gone, it's gone. It'll be gone. And you, you, you gotta always remember, these things are temporal. We get married. We have children. We have families. It's temporal. It's here for a time. And as you grow older, you see it diminishing. And yet the influence down here uh, retain, you retain an influence because God wants you to have an influence on your family. He wants you to have an influence in the church. And the, and the prophet of God said, you are influenced. You also are an influence, whether you realize it or not. I said to one of the brothers of this church, I said, you were in another city recently where your uh, children were, grown children now. And it's been a lot of years since many of these people saw them. But I said this, and I believe it with all my heart, and that's why I'm saying it to the congregation. Your young people are screaming out, and uh, a message that you can't even begin to preach. You can't preach. You don't have an opportunity to preach. You don't have an, you don't have a pulpit to preach it behind. But your family or your own lives will scream out the testimony. Uh, Jesus Christ is here in another, another dimension. And you are ex- an expression of that. Now you may have a lot of questions on that, but just let me continue on here. The eternal kingdom of God, merging with time in and through the believer, in and through you as an individual. The eternal kingdom of God, merging with time. Uh, the believers, the children of God. God, our Father, placed us down here in time to declare the eternal kingdom of God. That's your purpose. That's why you're here. Not just to get an education, not just to get a skill. Get as much as your mind will take you. Take it all. But say, this is for the kingdom of God. I am here for that purpose. And and I may be undercover because people don't know. The world doesn't know. They don't know this world. They, people even try to figure out. My neighbors try to figure us out. You'll have an opportunity, 
but your, let your life preach the message to them. To declare the eternal kingdom, we are born, live, die, but that is not the end. Your life will continue. We read the Bible. We read from Joshua here. We read about Moses. We read about the the prophets and so on and so forth. Are we affected by their lives? Certainly are. And that's exactly what God intended. You might think of when you're cold and stiff, and wait till I read some scripture uh, to you. You're very much alive. In a message, faith. You have five senses of the body. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. Now, none of those uh, senses will declare God. He put him in five senses to contact his earthly home not to contact God with. And then in a message, God doesn't call man to judgment without first warning him. He said, there's another world. Oh, there is. There's another world. While you're in this one, while you're sitting listening to me, there's another world. You don't have to leave very far. I want you to believe this. It's right with you. It's right around you. God only give you five senses, and that's to contact so much of this. This world. But there's another world that you haven't got any senses to contact. You ha- you can't contact it because you don't have it in a, in a natural life. We haven't got it just ready. But it, he doesn't say you can't. I'll, I'll read some other quotes to you. Our kind Heavenly Father, this is in a message inspiration, we are grateful for this grand glorious privilege that we have tonight. What is the grand glorious privilege? that we have tonight, this is this morning, to assemble together, here we are. You've assembled together, that's in this life. You used your energy, you used your strength to drive, to come here, you had a plan, that's in this life, to contact the world and that you're in. He said, but we have another We have a grand, glorious privilege that we have tonight to assemble together again another night this side of when time will merge with eternity. We can say, well, that's future. Just listen. The believer's life down here is made up of, number one, things of this life, and two, things that are from the kingdom of God. You have to remember that. And you have not come here in a birth for just the things of this life. You've come here 
to testify. There's another kingdom. There's a kingdom of holiness. This one may be full of lies. This one may be full of uh, contrary regulations. But there's another kingdom. And you are here to declare the cleanness and truth of that kingdom. You're here to declare the presence of God. There's a holiness about the people. Like this man that wrote, I have this... Uh, I have this testimony here. He comes into a church. He doesn't know anybody. So that has nothing to do with the physical. It isn't what he knows. It isn't what he sees. It isn't what he uh, can taste or feel. But he sees a picture on the wall. Love projects. It speaks to something within him. Here's a man that's looking to be cared for. Here's a man that doesn't know anything about a love of a father or a mother. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. My wife is writing my memoirs. And uh caused me and forced me, well, when were you living here? I said, you don't understand I don't know when I was living there, and I don't even know why I was there. I was there because the people would have me or whatever more. I know what I'm speaking of. I'm not speaking a fairy tale. You young men have a home to go to. You thank God for that home. He gave you those parents. Hey, he gave you that mother and dad. You thank God for that. There are those that, such as this man, said he was homeless. I understand that. He was homeless. He didn't know where his home was. You're you're sitting very, very quiet. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you about someone I have never known what my own room is. It might be there for a week or two. That's not your room. That isn't where you stay to go to a school. You you go to the school over here. I worked, and others in this congregation worked with our hands to provide you with that school. I've never been in a school like that. I visited, but I have never had a room in a school like that. Twice in my life, in grade four and grade six, I was in a in, in a room of about twenty students from grade one to grade eight in one room. That was it. That was school. Don't don't say, don't look at me and think, well, you're back in the dark ages. There was good schools. And there was modern schools that were being built. But that happened to be the time. But I can tell you something. I learned something about God that maybe you didn't learn in a in a school where you had a teacher that was given how I thank God you may wonder why I have such appreciation I look down and I see the teachers and see the principal of the school here and I'm, we'll speak about it a little bit later but how I thank God for it and God knows I'm saying thank you Father for caring for us caring for our children 
Thank you, Father, for giving us people that are clean and holy and have a good desire. You might say, well, I fall so short. Don't worry about how short you fall. You can be concerned about it, but uh, let God just surrender your life to God. And whatever you have me do, I'll do. prophet said, so let me take faith. If the doctor says, and I know that I'm going to be speaking to a lot of people just this moment. If the doctor says, you have a doctor, I have a doctor. And we think very kindly about our doctors. And those that have given their lives. Some of you are nurses. My daughter took and became practical nurse in one year, and then this guy back here behind me asked her to marry him. And that was the end of it. But it's been a a big help to a lot of people. The nursing, you know things. And I I call Sister uh, Lisa St. John. I wanted to find a specialist down in Seattle, and I didn't. And I mean, she just, I don't know if she shook the branches until all the doctors fell out. (laughs) So, So let me take faith. If the doctor says you're going to die with a cancer, some of you have heard that. If a doctor says you're going to die with a cancer, that's all he knows. That's what the book told him. When you see these signs and when you have that many cells, that's all he knows about. Have faith and it will change the situation for you. If he says you'll never walk again, the man's telling the truth. That's all he knows. Because that's his source of understanding. That's what he can look at. What he can, he can only go by his senses. He tastes, feels, goes by his senses, his understanding. Feel, smell, taste, hear. But you see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things you don't feel taste it's the evidence of things you don't smell it's the evidence of things you don't hear it's faith it's 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 a sixth sense you believe it it's a sixth sense a man in the wheelchair says i'm going to get up and walk Well, the book didn't say that. The book said you're bound to a wheelchair. And he said, I want to get up. I want to walk. I talked to a man. He was here one year, one time. I think it was before you were here, Brother Tim. Maybe probably you were here. from South Africa, a little fellow. Uh, 
And he got very, very sick. He got very sick. He was lived in Cape Town. He got very sick. And he they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. But he got so sick and he bounced off the walls and he couldn't walk. And he was so determined, he thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk to that wall. And he'd go to the wall and bang on it and bounce on it. And he was so determined, I talked to him there. I saw him here. And uh, I'll just think of his name in a moment, hopefully. Uh, But the thing that struck me was his determination. It was something that was unearthly. It was more than human. He was just determined, I'm going to get up. And how he was... He must have been alone often in the room, and he would stagger around and bounce into the wall. But I also saw him completely healed. It's a sixth sense beyond the five senses. You can't hear this. You can't see it. You can't prove it. You can't prove it. I want to speak to you intelligent people. You can't prove it. There's no place to prove it. It's faith. It's called faith. It's the things that's hoped for. And the proof of evidence of things that are not seen. He said it's a sixth sense. Five senses won't touch it. It's the sixth sense. This is in We Would See Jesus in Spokane, 1962. Five senses won't declare faith at all. It's the sixth sense. And the sixth sense is the one that declares the whole armor of God. And the whole armor of God is nothing that the... He said one of the five senses will declare He said, do you believe that? Look, he says, faith, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, patience. Who can declare that by some of your science? You can't do it. It's a faith, that sixth sense. Friends, the reason I have to believe that is because, you know, Brother Branham, when he prayed... He very seldom raised his voice. He just told the devil, Satan, you must lose this, loose this child. This person belongs to God. And when you see some divine thing take place, have you ever seen it? I have. The man you're looking at has seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've touched the hand and shaken the hand of people. And I just have to tell you, my wife is sitting on the back seat here. But I had an old farmer woman. And I turned around and shook hands with her. I was a total stranger. Never been in that church before. Ever. Before or since. And I rode a motorcycle to that service. You talk about desperate. I rode a motorcycle. 
after church. Oh, you say, well, I know some of you here have motorcycles, but I was driving to a church service in the freezing weather. It snowed that night, but I was determined to get to that meeting. And I got to that meeting, and this old lady shook my hand, said, you have something heavy on your heart. I said, yes. I was not going with my wife. And I don't know whether she was interested in me, but I was a young man. I was about 17. Might have been 18. This is how sometimes it happens. Nathan. But I shook a woman's hand. I was sitting on the front seat just exactly as you are, and I turned around. And there's an old farm couple. And I did not know them very well. And shook my hand. She said, you have something heavy on your heart. I said, yes. She said, it concerns a young lady. I said, yes. And she turned around. She said, that's the one. She said, the dark girl sitting at the back. I said, yes. She said, have no fear. That's all she said. Have no fear. God has given her to you. Here she is 65 years later. God has given her to you. Not for five minutes. He gave her to you. And friends, I'm talking about a real God. I'm talking to you about a real father. You sit down to food. He's provided that food. Is this all right? In the message, we would see Jesus. When faith anchors, it's there to stay. This isn't isn't little fictitious statements that you can take or leave. But when faith anchors, it's there to stay. It's just done. That's what causes an old man to pray for a girl. His girl is dying, 12 years old, in the hospital. And he says, the nurse is trying to tell him something. Now, you can get all the nursing you want, but don't let that be your permanent guide. He says, as he's waiting to take her out, and she's she's dying. He said, the difference is, he says, you're looking at the screen. You're looking at the equipment, but I'm looking at the promises. That's the difference. And nothing changes that. When faith anchors, it's there to stay. It'll never be moved. Nothing can ever move faith. I find in prayer line, about 99 out of 100 that comes comes to the platform... Oh, I've got people say, Oh, Brother Branham, I got all faith. Then what are you doing up here? See, hope instead of faith. They have hope instead of faith. 
When Jesus foretold his sufferings, now I'm coming to some very important points. Are you okay? When Jesus foretold his sufferings, his disciples recoiled at his voice, at his words, as uh, a supreme example of merging of two worlds. A supreme example. Are you following me? A supreme example. There is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, and he often spoke of the Son of Man is going to be killed. Now, I want you to stay with me very, very close. The Son of Man is going to be killed, and on the third day he'll rise. Remember, God, Almighty God, spoke in the beginning. I don't know what he said or how he said it. He said, if you eat of this tree, you'll die. If you eat of the tree of good and knowledge, you'll die. But if you eat of the tree of life, you'll live. And now Jesus is telling Jesus, who's that word in flesh, God help me, is now telling his beloved disciples, the Son of Man will die. Friends, if he doesn't die, you're all sitting here in vain. He died the death. He died till the prophet said the sun said he died. The stars said he died. The moon said he died. Everybody said he died. He died the death. He actually gasped his last breath. I said to a Muslim man in Morocco, we sat at a table having dinner. But the dinner didn't bother us. They put a very, very nice dinner on, and my family was there. But I said to this man, he was, a, he was the vice president of British American Oil. And he just came in. He was a friend of the family. And he said, why do the Jews so hate us? I said, no, I don't think so. But we got on that subject and about Jesus dying. And he said, well, we, we, we regard him as the Lord, their Lord, and that he did not die. His, his, uh, I said, well, you believe his disciples stole him away. And I said, listen, do you see my family here? I said, do you see my daughters and my wife? I said, I have committed them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he did not die, if that was not God and giving a paying a sacrifice for us, I says, we are all lost. And we cannot be we cannot go to heaven. I said, You might be a very righteous man. And I said, regardless how righteous I am, now I'm going to take a few moments with you. I said, regardless of how righteous I am, I cannot purchase you even five minutes of eternal life. He said, exact. Exact. He understood that right away. I said, and you might ever be so good a man, so righteous a man, but you cannot, you cannot purchase me one minute of eternal life in heaven. 
He said, that's correct. He said, I've never heard it this way before. I said, well, this happens to be the way that it is. And I left him with that thought. I've never heard this before. No matter how righteous a man is, no matter how many good works he does, he cannot inherit eternal life. Jesus had to die. I want to really stress that. Jesus said when he said to his disciples that the Son of Man shall die, he said in Matthew 26 and 54, if you want to write it down, but how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? He was telling of his death. Death, not near death, but his death. He had to die. He had to die, friends, for you to be able to live. You say, well, we know that. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about till it goes right down to your bootstraps. He had to die. And everything that is looking so glamorous in the world, this Jesus died. Regardless of what this age produces. When the prophet talks about the world, love not the world or the things that are in the world. Jesus died that those things would vanish out of our lives. Do you believe that? And then it says in 1 John 1 and 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, these are the senses now, which we have heard, these eternal beings, we've heard these things, and we have seen with our eyes, which we have held, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Two worlds merging together. All things were made by him. And without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. And then in John 14, and the word was made flesh. Did they, did the worlds merge together? I, I want to get this to you because I have to go on from here. Did the worlds merge together? Eternity merged with this life. Eternity merged when uh, this, this, this Holy Spirit overshadowed a virgin. A virgin in this life. A doctor could prove she's a virgin. That didn't have anything to do with it. She was indeed a virgin. But the seed of eternal God was conceived. And the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. And you shall conceive and give birth to a son. You believe that? That had to happen. Otherwise, there's no deliverance from sin. You can sing about deliverance. I've been redeemed. We can sing all those songs. There's no such a thing unless this, unless this virgin conceived a son. And that son had to go to Calvary and die the death at Calvary. And when he said, it is finished, 
and he gave up the ghost. That's when you were free. You were set free and anything short of that doesn't work. We can sing about it. We can read about it. We can, all these senses of, we can feel it. No, you can't feel this. It's something you know. It spoke it in the scripture. And you said, that's it. I believe that. Friends, that's when faith takes hold. And nothing will ever shake it. I had people ask me when I came to the message. They said, disrespectfully. He said, what led you to Branham? I said, well... Because I, I went through some reproach. Reproach that maybe you don't know anything about. But I don't talk about reproach. I know what reproach is. I had all kinds of... I had a ministry that was recognized. But doors closed. All kinds of doors closed. Thank you, my friends. Thank you, sons and daughters of the gospel. I thank God that he sent his Holy Spirit to you and witnessed this is the truth. What kind of a gospel would we have? What kind of a church would we have if we didn't have people who were of like faith? Like faith. I'm talking about the same kind of faith. I feel I don't have to make it real to you because... You, it's been made real to you. And for you that perhaps it hasn't been that real, you just hold on to it fast. Say, I believe that because it's written in God's word and God don't lie. I'd like to sing you a song. It's simple. I won't sing it. And it's in one key. I won't sing it. It's in one key. One of our colored sisters years ago, and there was a pastor in this message, and his wife, and we were in their place, and she said, this sister got up and sang a song. She said, my God, don't lie. That was the song. That was the title, and that was all the words. My God, don't lie. I said, my God, don't lie. <laughs> And when you were all through listening to it, you said, what is she saying? She's saying, my God, don't lie. You like that, don't you? Amen. I do too. My God, don't lie. That's all you have to know. My God, don't lie. He said it in his word. My God, don't lie. Amen. Now I'm coming to, if you got tired, we'd just stand for a moment or two. This is the only service today. I'm not going to be long for, uh, just for that sake, but nevertheless, I want to get this across. This is very heavy on my heart. This is taking sides with Jesus. And Brother Branham actually lays out for you, lays out for me, How I can't really explain it, but I'll let I'll let the paragraph explain itself. Now it says, now I notice <clears throat> that how the churches 
the evangelism started scattering out everywhere. And I have number one, evangelism started scattering out everywhere. That's number one. Number two, he said, and then we'll take, for instance, the Paul becoming a great missionary to our people. We found out that he went wherever the Lord led him and established a church. Number two is Paul becoming a great missionary to our people. Evangelism scattered out everywhere. Now, for the ministers and you that feel a call to the ministry, this is how it happens. Evangelism scatters out everywhere. And we find out that he went about, and Paul becoming a great missionary to our people, we find out that he went about wherever the Lord led him, and he established a church. Number three. Number four, and it was a new faith. Some of you have heard it for a lot of times. I believe you were 15 when you were moved here. And it was a new faith. You were in a church, Brother Tom. United Church. You never heard these things. It was a new faith. Brother Tim, you were in Pentecost. And you knew a lot about being saved and repenting and so on and so forth. But it was a new faith. You never heard many of these things. And things that Paul spoke about were so mysterious, but they all made sense. Why? Because it was a new faith. I want to say to you, this is not an old religion. And yet it is the oldest. It's the gospel. But it's a new faith because it's, it's untampered by man saying, well, this is the way that it is. And we have taken, we've taken various scriptures and we tie them together and we end up with a trinity. But there is no trinity. Or even in the message, you have to be very careful now. In the message, they'll have one quote and another quote and another quote, connect them all together. And at the end of the quotes, listen now, they'll come up with an obvious conclusion. But you'll never find that conclusion in the message. You'll never find that conclusion. You'll never find the prophet saying, that's thus saith the Lord. I think that's enough for me to say that. Evangelism started scattering out everywhere. Paul becoming a great missionary to our people. He went about whenever the, wherever the Lord led him and established a church. And it was a new faith. 
And number five, he had to preach the message and many was converted to it. You are here because you heard about something. You're here because you saw something. But there was something deeper inside that registered to you. And that is not something man spoke over a pulpit. You might have heard a man over a pulpit, but there was something inside. And not of this world. That's why it doesn't, it does not fit any of the learning or the language of this world because it come from another place. It come from another world. And the people today that use the internet, listen to me, you get on the internet, I know you do. You get on the internet and you get on sites of unbelief and you do not need to see it. God did not sponsor that, those websites. And it genders unbelief. It genders a darkness and a heaviness upon your believing. Right then you should close off the computer and go to the scripture and just say, I'll read the book of John. I'll read something of faith. I'll read something that's pure. This is not pure. This is not holy. I will read something that will gender faith. And when the disciples recoiled, because he said, and they were ready to take their sword, and Jesus said to Peter, put up your sword. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. You don't live by argument. We don't live by other textbooks. We don't live by even taking the message and dissecting it and said, well, he said this and he said that. You can't get him warring against. You can't get God, God warring against what's already true, what he's already said. You might say, oh, I'm just trying to get you away from those sites. I am trying to get you away from those sites. I know I, I, I've just seen them. I've never studied them. I've never read them. Because there's heavy darkness comes. And I know that that darkness does not come by the Holy Spirit. He comes as an inspiration. And one works and the other one does not work. It only brings a person to death. And he had to preach the message. Now I'm coming to a subject I want you to hear very, very much. And that is the present stage, Brother Brandon preached, the present stage of my ministry. This little uh, process that I'm going through brings us to the present stage of his ministry and the present stage of our ministry. You listening to it? The present stage of our ministry. And Paul became a great missionary to our people and he went about where 
ever the Lord led him, and he established a church, and it was a new faith. And he had to preach the message, and many was converted to it. If he left the people in that condition, now I'm coming right to our time and to the person you're looking at. We went all over. People heard, oh, God has sent a prophet. They want to know, what did he say? So they needed books or they needed a tape to hear it if they could understand the English. And then people were converted to it. Maybe only some spoke English, but they were converted to it. And the others just looked. I've had them look at me, and they, I've had the dark eyes of people in Africa. Look at me so longingly. Listen, I want you to stand behind this pulpit for a moment. Look at me so longingly. And they well, you have books. Yes, I have books. You have tapes. Yes, I have tapes. Oh, if I could only hear. If I could only hear what he said. And, and then I'm going to come home and rejoice. Oh, I got red volumes and I got brown, brown volumes and I've got CDs and I've got little zip sticks. And you're going to rejoice over that? How can you rejoice when you got people say, well, you got it in this language, you got it in that language, you got it, and you can hear it, and we can't hear it. So I'll just tell you, I came home a burdened, broken man. I broke down in front of Sister Gladys Dow. She said, what's new? I said, Sister Dow, I have people with brown eyes, dark brown eyes. I just came from Africa. And they're begging. They want to hear so much what he said. And I've got walls of tapes. I've got reels. I've got cassettes. I've got CDs. I've got red volumes. I've got brown volumes. How can I rejoice over this? When I'm looking at people, people, my brothers in the family of God, they just yearn, if only I could hear it. I can't leave that. So we came home. I said... And I got it written here, friends. I said, we've got, to, we've got to clean the tapes. We've got to clean the tapes. Paul established churches. And he said, and the prophet said, and if he left the people in that condition... They would wander right back into their pagan gods and into Judaism and whatever more because 
the people had no one to teach them. They have to have someone teach them. And you can't have someone teach them if that one doesn't know anything about it. They have to know. They have to experience it themselves. And I just want to say something about Canada and the United States. You're going to go from here. You're going to have, you know, celebrate your Father's Day or whatever. Have your Father's over. Let me tell you something. There'll be one Father. And he's standing here behind the pulpit. They'll have a tough time when I know that people don't have the message. And that's why I get excited when I see a Bible is translated. Brother Murphy up here translated the Bible. I rejoice more over that than somebody getting some scholarship. Scholarship where? Am I to compare that with somebody reading a Chinese Bible and knowing that this nation of 1.4 billion people don't have an accurate Bible, don't even have the Bible that the prophet of God, and we're, and I'm supposed to be so happy that God sent a prophet. How about saying, what kind of Bible did he read? And what about saying about two million people can't, don't even have that Bible? Young men, and to think of, you've got energy, you've got skills, you point everything towards the Word of God, and I can tell you, that is a sure way of success. Because you become a partner with Almighty God. He said, good, I gave you that intelligence. I gave you that retention. I gave that to you. I gave you that strength. I gave you that energy. You said, well, I, I saw a fire burning in, in, in a person we call our pastor. He's your father in the gospel. And that is why he gave you that. That's why you have it. You know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop and gonna settle down. I'm not gonna just allow us to, uh, just settle back and be satisfied. That's what this church stands for. This is what our calling is. And I feel, I feel that I want to, if, if I have any power, I want to, lead you to become a partner with him. Each one of these churches, he left someone who was in order, a man that was trustworthy, a man that was known as a pastor, a shepherd. And then number nine is, and it's all in this one paragraph. He said, and then after his church, after this church, they became other, there became other churches 
came out of it. I saw it happen. It happened in India. And then they, they, they don't know who you are, which is perfectly fine, perfectly fine. I just rejoice that we were able to scatter the word, scatter the message. And I say to this congregation, what's wrong with that? Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that something you rejoice over? Amen. This is going to surprise you. Can I take a few moments? And then, then this that went out from him, his children was called shepherds or pastors. And then this group of little churches all around came back to this bishop. Many ministries went out, but there was a great need especially to teach the message and secondly to translate the message into the language of the people. Friends, when you hear the hub, the hub, the hub, the hub, the hub, well, everybody's got a hub today, and there's a hub here and a hub there. This church doesn't know perhaps how that happened. But I want to tell you about God. I want to tell you about something supernatural. And I want to go into just a little bit of background. Just a wee bit. And I think you'll be keenly, keenly interested. And some of you that may not be interested, you need to know. A few years ago, just a very few years ago, about 10 or 12. I called the trustees of the church. Some of them have gone. But I called them and I took them up to Fort Langley to a place called Bedford House. And we had a dinner. And while we sat having dinner, I had a pad And I opened up my pad and I said, I want to draw you a picture. And I started with my pen and I drew like an architect would draw in architectural angles down. I said, this is about 18 to 24 inches across and this is about 18 to 24 inches square. That's the top. This is colored kind of a steel gray And then here is a screen. And on this screen, a person steps up and punches the screen, and there comes a whole uh, globe of the world. And I'm I'm kind of getting lost at this time, but then I said, maybe maybe there might be a, a, a finger pointing and hitting a button, and they'll hit a button. And, and uh, all the languages will come up. And it has to be international because the people have to be able to recognize what language it is. And uh, so that's about as far as... And I said, down here is a slot, 
and, and inside is a computer, and this unit is called a message kiosk. Never heard that name, ever heard it before. I'm taking this time at this pulpit to tell you that's what happened up here in Fort Langley. And uh, I said, inside, there's a printer. And the computer commands the printer to print a message. And it spits out here, and a person gets that message. And it's called a message kiosk. The only kiosk I ever had seen was one at the airport. Now, that's this life. People went to school to learn that. But here's a man looking at it, and I have one thing in my mind. That's the kingdom of God. How might this work for the kingdom of God? They're, they're, they're spitting out airline tickets. They're spitting out boarding passes. But I'm thinking about how do we spit out the message? How do we get this that is so precious to us? How do we get it to people so they can get up there? Whatever language it is, they can get it in their language. I thought, this is the most wonderful thing. Well, someone else might say, well, do you know what? They got software that does that. Really? Maybe you know about that? I don't know anything about software, but I know it's possible. I know that in Satan's Eden, they're going to figure that out. People talk about AI right now, artificial intelligence. Brothers, that's why I was so inspired by it the other night. I don't know how to use it, but I know that we can use... I'm tied into an intelligence that's not artificial. And it's far beyond anything. It's far beyond any any AI. And just this last week, I have Brother Murphy Wong send me a clip. And I listened to the clip. And it's a computer language, but it's a very good one. And it's starting off with Genesis Genesis 1, 1. And speaking of reading it, exactly the Bible. And here's a man listening to it. The man that you're looking at behind this pulpit. And my whole body, my whole being is consumed. How can this work so that a person can read any Bible and listen to any message? I want to, I want to lay a challenge to this congregation. That's what we're here for. That's what God loves. He's not in love with us so much as he's in love with his word. He loves his word. Brother Darren Hoffman, great is your reward in heaven. You've given hours and hours in the darkness of your room, but God saw you there. I can tell you that none of that is wasted. And none of the effort, none of the preaching... None of the Sunday services or any service, none of the streaming is wasted. It's God-ordained and God-sponsored. Amen. I'll finish with that in a few moments. Is this all right, Brother Tom? Yes. Not everyone had this burden. Brother Perry Green, first 
actually told me that the first spoken word books were printed actually in Tucson. The very first. I have some of the first volumes. And I said to our brother Tim Dodd and, and brother Murphy, we were sitting in the office. I said, I have some of volume one. They're not accurate. But did people believe them? Yeah. Are there those that have become ministers? Probably. I think they have. From volume one. And the other volumes. Yeah, well, maybe not every word is exactly right. Ah, That has nothing to do with it. What the Holy Spirit speaks to a person. And I'm not talking about feeling. I'm talking about something that's real. Something that's genuine. And the God that speaks to you well, continues to take the next step. Brother Perry Green, then he put the books into red volumes. And I scattered the red volumes into India. I had brethren in India say, I was, I, we had visitor ministers here at Promise. They would send books and I never got them. I said, you'll get a copy of the red volumes. I will send you a copy. And that brother actually was not a friend of mine in that sense of the word. He was very cutting. He was very obnoxious in one way. And yet I considered him as a brother in Christ. And I sent him a box right from this office here. I think Debbie probably put it together and sent it. Incidentally, God bless you, Sister Debbie, Brother Mike, Kanye. Great is your reward. Brother David Momless put together message books in a, called the Brown Volumes. He had a complete set. He was a very in, intellectual man, and he had a complete set that he put together and he had uh, sisters doing the work I think that similar to brother you brother Ken Andes and his wife sister Joyce he was 36 or 37 years the editor for a spoken word sitting right here listening brother Roy Borders began printing the message in much larger quantities. After he passed away, incidentally, I went with Brother Roy Borders. His father's buried right down here in Victory Victory Cemetery. He was a, a veteran. And I went and he asked me to have a word of prayer over his father's grave. Then Brother Joseph Branham began printing and distributing message books worldwide. We also benefited from this distribution. Some of the books that are out here and some of the tracts that are out here have been sent, and I think Brother Matthew Riddell has received tens of thousands of tracts. And uh, the group from the congregation, some of you young people, have been out on the streets and handed those out. Let me tell you something. You don't know where they went. Sure. 
I drove up to a gas station to get gas. And there's a man sitting on a little pail or a block of wood or something, and he's reading a message book. I said, I said, that's good. Yeah, he said, it's, it's real good. I said, where'd you get it? He said, I got it in the wastebasket. He said, someone was cleaning out their car, and so they threw this in to the car. He says, I, I pulled it out. He said, it's very, real good. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's real good. So we just carried on. So I left him with this message book and petrol. Is that all right? And Brother Joseph began printing and distributing the message books and tapes worldwide. And this continued for many years. And just recently, they ceased to print and instituted a program to have people agree to listen to a tape, make an agreement. Tapes needed also to be translated. People say, well, if they just listen to a tape, if they just listen to it in English, it doesn't do much. It's not fruitful. Translated into the language of the people. And I want to just say a few moments, just for very briefly on the hub. Are you getting tired? Would you like to stand for a minute? Are you okay? All right. I won't be that long, but I'll be a few minutes. I told you how we went up to a restaurant and I drew this hub. And a man said to me, he said, well, he said, we really don't need, we just need what's inside that kiosk so it can be uh, into the language of the people. Now, I want to just tell you, I was in Switzerland and people said to us, oh, here's a group from... Romania. Romania was very, very difficult. Young people, you want an exciting life? This message is the most exciting life you will ever hear or see of. Isn't that right, brothers? Amen. I was sleeping in a room over here on 180th Street and uh, traveling back and forth and going to this country and that country. That's what happens as a result of evangelism started to spread and started scattering out everywhere. Evangelism started scattering out everywhere. And I wanted to, I have had a great burden to talk to you, just to talk to you. That's what this 
church is all about. And now you are in another era. You're in another season. But that's the season we've been in. That's the season we've been born in. And now a few years have gone by. I really think we're on the cusp of some of the greatest moments. I've wondered why the prophet never seemed to go to China. Now we're just down to, and I have, I think I have a right to ask this, like a school teacher. How does 1.4 billion people maybe 5 billion I don't know and India now has gone to 1.4 billion yes in Bombay Brother Branham was there yes there was 500,000 people were there I stood behind the, the desk that he stood behind and the grandson of the man who invited Brother Branham is standing right beside me. Does that do anything for me? No. Doesn't do a thing, but I just happened. And out there, there was no buildings out there. Said there was just a field out there. Where Brother, Brother Deepak, Titus here, and his wife, Sister Vandy. And Brother Deepak, I think your aunt was in one of those meetings. Yes. Brother Branham told me when he was in India and the people were stretched out because they couldn't get them anywhere near the building. And this young man told me there was no buildings across the street. It was just open field. Brother Branham told me that that field was full of people. And sometimes it took a long time to get people from there and that was where they would try to tear his clothes so they get a piece of cloth off of him. See, friends, it might be the children of someone who tried to grab his cloth. might be their children. I don't know. But I like to think, Brother Tom, I'm not just emotional. But what if the people here in this congregation gave their tithes and they gave their mission offerings? You might say, well, that was just a little bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What happens if those went over and for 30 years, 10, 20 30 years. We're printing. Do we have problems? Lots of them. But we go through this hurdle and there's speed bumps and there's all kinds of things that happen in this life. But they don't realize we're not working for this life. 
there's people they said well the newspaper said if you let us go we've got to be paid a uh, a fee we got we got to be paid a vacation vacation fee and we once had 16 people working and we're down have to be down to about 8 and we got great big presses offset presses and then now it now it's all to be duplicated so it's all digital and then you say I'm telling you why I've got white hair and then it's all digital then we have a fire and the Telugu language is mostly lost now it falls you're trying to get the Telugu back up so we're trying to deal with that even now is that simple? no, that's in this kingdom so we know what it is to work and keep hammering through so that somebody is going to hand a book to somebody or speak a message to somebody or they're going to say it in someone else's life like you sister Vandy your family brother Deepak somebody's going to say it and your life is going to scream out it's going to speak of another kingdom it's going to speak of another place it's going to speak of another world and you people that are sitting here you think you're just taking in another meeting you're being transformed from another world I can, I can tell you I can tell you on authority that the word of God that was spoken the word of God not the word of a teacher not a word of an instructor not a word of a preacher but the word of God has transforming power and you'll find yourself way different six months from now than you were why? Brother Frank, because the Word of God transforms a person in spite of themselves. Hallelujah! And the prophet speaks about it all the time. Only we miss it because he reaches into this world and says, once you were a gambler, once you were a drinker, once you are and then, and then he will say, those are attributes of sin. That's exactly right. But the Word of God will take those attributes away will take take it away at its very source I've had a man right here in, in White Rock on a restaurant a Greek man he said he went in and and he smoked real heavy and he went in and to get a cigarette he said that he was so something came over him and he drove a long distance to get to a church and he walked into a, a Greek temple. I don't care what they walked into it. He could have walked into a doghouse. Had nothing to do with the building. It has nothing to do with this building. It has to do with what your heart is connecting to. Who are you connecting to? We're connecting to God. We're connected to another kingdom. 
That's why I'm enthused about it. And that man told me with his own mouth. He said, I tried to take a cigarette. He said, eh, it was the most awful thing. I couldn't even understand how he could ever smoke it. He wondered himself, how can you ever smoke this stuff? Did I try to witness to him? No, I just thought, that's just the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know how his heart is connected to, where it's connected to, but I know that he's got a hold of something that's real and it's not of this world. Alright, I think that I'm at a point where I can bring this in. Can I be a few more minutes, please? I just want to go back for a moment. You know, people talk about the the cross. Do you know that that was the focus of the entire world? This this whole uh, physical world that we are in. Listen, friends. I want to speak to you. One day, even you young men, one day you're going to find out that all of this is quite meaningless. We have all the music, and but be one day when that'll be silenced. One day you're young and strong, and then you'll see the breath start to shorten. One day you're going to leave this world. And I say with the songwriter, what then? And I'm not preaching for time. I'm not preaching for this life. I'm not even here for this life. I feel very connected to another world. And I feel like I'm a representative of that world. That's where God is. And I want to talk to you about as a representative of that world. phrase that you're very common with, very well known, noted with. I just want you, I woke up maybe two weeks ago and I've been pondering this ever since. And you're here because of a certain message that said this makes known to you the Son of Man. And this son of man died 
the full death. Exactly what is each person here? We're not going to live forever unless you have eternal life. And then besides the son of life, the son of man, there's another son. And he's called the son of perdition. And he also died. But there were certain things that the son of man said that the son of perdition could not say and never did say. The son of man said, because he rose again. And that's the key. That's the key. That's the key. And friends, this happens to be the critical part of the message. This is a critical part. Is the revelation that Jesus Christ is resurrected and is here. And when a person gets that, it's all over for that person. It's all over. Faith is then anchored, and it can never stop. And it can never let go. And that's what I want to get across to you. And the son of perdition, his insides spilled out. He also died the death, but he could not say, I'm alive. I was dead, but I'm alive. And one thing I wanted to get across to you today, especially, and I want you to listen very close. People think Judas betrayed him. I want to, I want to, I want to get that out of your mind. Judas did betray him, but the Bible says, and a multitude, and a multitude went to the garden. Judas was just the one that gave him the kiss of betrayal. But I, I, I have never heard a sermon on the multitude that went with him. Chief priests, elders of the people, And now I want you to really listen. When Joshua called the people together, he said, I'm old. This is where I'm at. I'm old and he's stricken in age. Joshua 13. And the Lord told him, you're old. And you're stricken in age. It was seven years later. Seven years after that time, Joshua called all the people. He called you elders. He called you people that maybe come from the Philippines. He called them all. He called them all the people. He called the elders. He called the deacons. He called the trustees. He called the ministers. He called them all together to tell them, I'm old. But God told them something else also. He said, but there's much land for you to possess. In other words, it's not over. You've got to go out and do exactly what we've always done. Do you understand where I'm going? Nothing's changed. He intends for the church 
to do what it always has done. And he called him and said, there's much land yet to possess. And your land is things. It's not enough for me to tell you what I've experienced. This this thing has been nothing but a supernatural event from one to the other. And this is what he said. And after the sup, this is a critical part. This is not just a part of reading in the scripture. They went for a last supper and they had a last supper. And then John laid his head on Jesus' bosom because Peter didn't have that closeness uh, quite with the Lord that John had. And so he said, who is it that betrays you? And he said, who I give the sup to. The sup was a special part. And he gave a sup to Judas. And then said, what thou doest, do quickly. And the Bible says, then Satan entered into him. You know what, friends? I don't know whether what you think about it, but I don't think he even knew it. There was nothing in this life. There was nothing in this body that was meant to contact this world. There was no sense. He didn't feel a shiver go down his back. He just thought things over and he thought, well, I can betray him. And he did the most vile thing he could ever do. He betrayed the Lord Jesus. But what about all those other people who were with him? What about all those other multitudes of people that were there? Did you ever think about them? You want to read about them. They had all levels. And your prophet, your prophet, I'm laying it at your door, your prophet said he could go out and cast out devils and pray for the sick. In Matthew 10. He went and did all kinds of things. He sang the same songs. He maybe played the same instruments. He went to church. He was with the very disciples of the Lord Jesus. I'm looking at you. Yet in his heart, he was not prepared to go all the way. And they said that he could not go up to Pentecost. He could not get sealed. My brother, my sister, I appeal to you. The answer is the Holy Spirit anchors it in your heart. And the, the, the Holy Spirit, you can't say, oh, it's God, I feel him. You don't feel him. It's God. You just know it because he said it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said. And in the good times and in the bad times, he's always the same. Whether it's in UBC or whether it's in the university or whether it's in the, uh, the, wherever we are, what's it, BCIT, isn't it? BCIT. Whether it's in BCIT or we become 
we become, we excel in a certain thing. And I, I can tell you, I can tell you, friends, if anybody should have been at the bottom of the stack, it's the man that's speaking to you now. I was at the bottom of the stack. I didn't excel in anything. But God opened the door. I talked to the woman that's sitting at the back of the church. I said, I can't give you the kind of life that you've had. God has called me to preach. And I can't give you that kind of life. We sat in the back of her daddy's car. A friend of mine was driving the car in a muddy, muddy road come from a small town in northern Alberta. We came from a meeting. I don't know why she wanted to be in a meeting. She always wanted to be in a meeting. I was raised in the camps, in the U.S. Army camps. I didn't have a dog. I had bears. Do you know what that kind of life is? You say, oh, that's a wonderful life out in the wilderness and the cleanness. I didn't know nothing about that. All I knew was about being lonely. Friends and people talk to me about my friends, my friends. What friends? What kind of friends are they? You're better to have the wilderness as a friend. Now you know a little bit about what I'm saying. Laying here in one of the hospitals, not knowing whether I'll come out. And then you, you don't have any mistake about who it is that's talking to you. Because there's only one in the, in the universe that knows where you're at. And I don't know if I'm going to come out and see the daylight again. And I hear someone talking, talking so specifically, so clearly, that I had to answer back. And you've heard this before, but not this way. Where were you? Where was I? I don't know, I don't know hardly, hardly how to answer it, but where were you? I said, well, I'm laying, going in for heart operation. And you think, well, there's all kinds of things to think about. No. Where were you? Well, where was, where was, I didn't even understand the question. But it keeps coming back. Where were you? Well, uh, I was a young man. And I was raised in the army camps. But where were you? It seemed so persistent. I, I didn't know what kind of answer it was. Well, I was, and it kept coming until I thought, maybe it's making reference to the prophet of God. So I thought, well, I, 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 I took Brother Branham up the highway. 
the Alaskan Highway. The same voice, but where were you? And then I began to feel, I don't know how old, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen? I was younger. How old are you? Eleven. Nine? Eleven. Eleven. I was about your age. Will you stand up for a second? I was about this boy's age. And he says, where were you? You can say, well, maybe I'm in, I was in Bellingham or I was at my mom and dad's place or something. I didn't have that memory. You can sit down, thank you. I was about his age. Where were you? Excuse me. I said, well, I was about 10. I was about 10. And I, I saw myself in the snow and the cold. I was about 10. But where were you? I said, I was at, at mile 351 on the Alaskan Highway. But where were you? And then a picture all came to me. I saw that's, that's where I was as a boy. And then when I was 27, 17 years later, I'm with the prophet of God. And I saw that time meant nothing. You know, maybe you're 16, 17, 18, and people over here 60, 70, and maybe 80 years old, it doesn't mean a thing. True. doesn't mean a thing. You guys are 16, 17, 14, 15. It doesn't mean anything. You young ladies, whatever age you are, doesn't mean a thing. doesn't mean a thing. There's nothing between time. That's what I want you to get... That will really make this congregation a different place. But doesn't make a different place. Doesn't mean a thing. Here's Brother Frank Fletcher, 92 or 93 years old. Doesn't mean a thing. Your father and my father is the same age. My father and your father is the same age, Nathan. My dad and your father is the same age. You've got a father back here that brought you into this world. But you have another father. And he's the one I'm talking about. He said, I I brought you here. I led you into this place. I led you to hear these words. It's my will that you hear these words. That's the difference, brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. That's the God I'm speaking about. Amen. Where were you? Well, when you talked to me, that was the first time it really meant something. Yes, you may say, well, my home, I come from someplace in China. It has nothing to do with it. 
I went to Cloverdale by the way, it has nothing to do with it. I lived up it. That's why I felt I felt Brother Nathan to even be at your wedding. I thought it'd be good. For what I've experienced is not very different from what you've experienced. Not very different from what the people in Flagstaff have experienced. Doesn't mean nothing to God. What means something to God is who has heard my voice. And what did you do? I just wish I could make it as real as it is. This God that I'm talking about has nothing to do with things, cars that are out in the parking lot. doesn't mean nothing. doesn't mean nothing. Our hardships, our trials doesn't mean nothing. He said, I'll never leave you, Brother Darren. I'll never forsake you, Sister Jenny. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's not only in this life. That's at the very final breath of this life. And our Lord, your Lord, he hung on the cross. He said, well, I heard that. Don't let me put it that way. He says, where were you? Well, I was hanging on a cross. Who for? Well, there'll be a church full of people. And there'll be a man up talking to them. And he's aged now. And he will have told Joshua a few years ago, said, you're getting old. And you know what this word stricken is? You've been introduced. I've been introduced to a lot of things. And that's why I'm so glad. Friends, I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm happy. I'm happy for being around the people who didn't know the message and I was able to share it with them and now you can get it in their language you can preach it to them and just think about how happy they will be you made it possible and you gave your little bit of tithes or whatever more Jesus said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. This is what your Lord said. Those that thou gavest me, those that you gave me, 
you've been given by your Father from another place. You've been given to this word. You've been given even to this congregation. You've been given to live before these people. He said, and I have... I have kept them and I've lost none of them and none of them is lost but the son of perdition I lost him can you imagine that in the prayer he says that And that then when they came into the book of Acts, they said that he may take this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. He was just one. Maybe you brothers will look it up. He was just one. But there was a multitude with him. And these were the people that were very, very connected to this world. They were elders. Elders of what? They were elders in this world. They were leaders. Those of us that are given a place of leadership in this world... We do it with great humble humility. And I want to say to this congregation, are you all listening? These men that are deacons, these men that are trustees, do you know that they come here in the evening and they labor? Do you know that they're on the, on the phones? And do you know that they're called? When they have other things, they have families. And I I know something about that. Brother, Brother Ray, Michael Ray, everybody calls him to do something. Abigail, I understand what it is. You know, friends, I'm not here to bring you you a sob story, but I'm here to tell you what this gospel costs. I'll tell you what it costs. You know how many times I've been away from my family? Over... New Year's and over Christmas and over wedding anniversaries and do you know that we saw my eldest daughter I had to go by the hospital and we're on our way to the airport my wife is saying I just can't hardly believe we're leaving her but the gospel was calling these little people 
maybe in India or Africa, somebody's calling. You say, well, you're just making that up. Not a chance. I was in Africa, and I think a phone call come to a pastor's house. Said your stepmother just died. And the funeral was going to be in a day or two. I couldn't get leave. I was to preach. I was to preach this gospel to people. And we're here. We're here this morning. And I hope it means something to you. I really do. If you think that if this church fails to pick up that vision, to pick up that burden, it will just reduce to another church. That's all. That's all it'll be. Go to church, we'll hear the piano, we'll hear people sing, we'll hear, you know, hear stories and hear sermons and so on and so forth. When Judas and the group came, don't forget the multitude. Multitude that was with him. And that's when Judas, that's when Peter drew his sword. And I want to tell you, God knew what was in his heart, and he struck the high priest's ear off. He wasn't aiming at his ear. He was aiming to split him down the middle. He had, he was gonna kill him. Gonna save his Lord. And sometimes our, our motive, motivation is, and even then Jesus just said, he didn't rebuke him. He said, put up your sword, Peter. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. That was all. This isn't maybe exactly what you thought it was going to be. But when God spoke to Joshua, he said, he didn't want to tell him he was getting old. I want to tell you that I'm getting old. And I've had a lot of age advancing on me. And the age has introduced me to sight problems, has introduced me to hearing problems, has introduced me to a lot of things that I have resisted over the years, but I feel that I must give time to my my family 
And I want to just read in Joshua 24. It says he gathered all the people, all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their offices. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. In time, in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham. You see, this was Joshua's time after Moses and all the rest of it. It meant nothing. Time was nothing. Do you understand what I mean? And here's God saying to Joshua, now you're old and you're stricken in age. But it doesn't mean a thing. Just doesn't mean a thing. God remains the same. God's purpose is going to be fulfilled. He's going to find a person. He's going to find men that will do it. That'll burn in their soul. And they can't shake it. And this is what God said. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout the land of Canaan. And the next verse, And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And next verse, I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt. Is he going all down? Where were you? Number six, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. That's 40 years later. It doesn't mean a thing. I brought them out. And verse seven, and when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. Oh, that was wonderful. No, they were there. That actually happened. He says, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites. I brought you into these difficulties. I brought you into these battles. I brought you there. And I'll take you out. I didn't bring you in there to be bound. I didn't bring you in there to be defeated. I brought you into this difficulty. I thought of some of the difficulties that this congregation experienced and has experienced right now. And I can tell you, he brought us in and he brings us out. I brought you into the land of the Amorites and the Girgashites and so on and so forth. I brought you into these nations and I bring you out. And then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose. God brought you before great authorities, and they said this, that, and the other thing. But the same God that will see that king of Moab on a slab, our God still lives. Amen. He's still alive. You get my, you get my point? He's saying, the same God that says you're old, you're stricken in age. But he's the same God that says, I brought the people in. I brought you people in. 
I brought you to this difficulty. You're in a problem? It's I brought you there. And I'll bring you out. Hallelujah. I have such a rejoicing over that. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. That's it. That's all. I'm the Lord. Serve him. Serve me. Serve me. Don't go back and be the same same person at your job that you were. Say, I'm a son of God. My God brought me here. My Father brought me here. And if I'm not where I ought to be, then take me out. Move me out from this place. Do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. 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 And in that final hour, in that final test, you can just look up and you're at such peace. And people say, oh, if I only had peace like that. Sometimes I don't even know. I think of things I don't even know whether. There was a young man, and he was in our place of work, and my wife came in to see me. Nathan, you want to hope you have this in the future. And my wife asked for me, and I came running downstairs, and, Hi, dear, how are you? And this young man, he was about 19, 18, 19, standing right beside me, said, Boy, I wish I could smile like that at my wife. <laughs> and he, 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 you don't even know you're being at a testimony right then. Boy, hi, dear, how are you? And here's a young man saying, Boy, I wish I could smile like that at my wife. <laughs> You might just shake hands with another brother. Or your father. Or your mother. God bless you, Brother Mark. Something you said the other day about your son. I said, he's a fine young man. You just said we're proud of him. That hung in. God bless you, Sister Sally. You've got, your dad lives on. Amen. Amen. You're still a bomber. You young people, it's nice to see Brother Doug, your daughter, and her husband, Scotty. God bless you. Thank you. Shall we stand? I'd like to just sing, if we could, please, till we meet at... Sorry for keeping you so long. I wonder, Brother Derek, could you just come up and help me? want to sing till we meet till we meet at Jesus feet okay
I'd like you to shake hands with one another as we sing the chorus once again. Just once again, and then I'll pray. Friday we have the BCA graduation. Everyone is is invited. And I tell you what, friends, you're just fortunate I didn't get started on that. I had a lot of notes, but we have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I feel a very deep conviction about it. So God bless you as you come to the graduation this Friday. What time is it, Brother Darren? Do you know what time? Six. 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 Six o'clock this Friday. Heavenly Father. We've come to the closing moments of this time and we feel very connected to the eternal. You are our Father. All things are uh, within your hands and you just deal with us so tenderly. You show us your will. You tell us we shall fulfill it all. We shall do it, O God. And we're so thankful you've allowed us to have this piece of eternity here in this time. And you've allowed this message to cause us to be merged with the eternal realm. O God, may the people see it, Father. May they go out of here walking knowing that they are eternal sons and daughters of the living God. Yes, we're here for a very short time, but we are eternal beings. We're eternal sons and daughters. Lord, when we greet one another, let it be a full understanding that comes our way. In Jesus Christ's name, dismiss us now. We pray to be witnesses of the eternal realm. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Amen. You may be seated. You may be dismissed. I mean.